0: Everybody and Welcome to Comic Club, your friendly neighborhood comic book podcast. I'm your host, Blaine McGaffigan, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam, Adman Cook. Hey, Blaine. Great to be here. Great to have you. We are streaming today live from Comic Club Studio headquarters. Each month, we read a new comic or graphic novel and break it down to the show. This is our spoiler-free shorter episode where we introduce the book we are reading and chat about our first impressions, including... The Bare Bones, who this comic is for, and judging a book by its cover. This month, we'll be reading American-Born Chinese. Adam, give us The Bare Bones.
1: American-Born Chinese tells three supposedly unrelated stories of stereotypes and adversity that all come together in an action-packed twist ending. Blaine, why did we pick American-Born Chinese for this month?
0: Because it is May, and that means Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We love to coincide with the months that recognize diversity of creators. This is also one that's just been on my list a long time. I've read some Gene Luan Yang. He wrote Superman. He kind of has his own spin-off of this Chinese Superman, Batman. It's like a Justice League set in China. And then he's also writing The Monkey Prince right now. So really continuing this Chinese mythology and lore and The Monkey Prince in DC Comics is kind of doing its own thing. This dude has a ton of accolades and I, I was kind of saying, I'm gonna save it for the pod, but just right before we were recording this, I was YouTubing him to make sure I was pronouncing his name right, frankly. And I stumbled across some of these YouTube videos where where he is doing this presentation to this library all about American-born Chinese. I I recommend everybody go find it and watch it because he is so smart. The way he breaks down... Chinese myths, the way he approaches it, it's linked to comics. And I know there's another video I saw I have queued up as well, which is uh, Yang doing a TED talk all about comics should be, you know, in s- classrooms to help with education and stuff like this. So I just love this guy's persona. He's kind of got his own sort of like, kind of like a literary vibe in the comics medium, where he does write superhero stuff as well. But that's why I wanted to um, read him. And then this is, of course, our first impressions. We both cracked the book open a little bit. What are your first impressions of the book?
1: I like the way it starts, honestly. I thought it had a really strong start. I feel like I can uh, already feel the threads of the story being kind of woven together. And like I mentioned in The Bare Bones... It's pretty upfront. The first three chapters are all very different. Um, and I'm really curious to see how they're going to bring them together and make it all kind of sing. You know, it has this really good quality that, I think a really good kind of YA work or any kind of work for a younger audience needs to have in that it has really clear themes, I think, and ideas that is messages that it's trying to get across. And it's very kind of succinctly, um, you know, kind of written and, laid out in a way that has to be simple enough for a kid to read and understand, but still works for an adult. So I think that it's already kind of showing those strengths. I was really excited by the beginning. It reads really fast too. I was just blowing through that. Um it kind of has this feel almost of, you know, it sort of reminds me of of a newspaper comic in ways that it presents the story. It's kind of really small little, bits that you could break down and maybe have comic strip comic strip style almost and the way that it's laid out it's kind of like really nice spacing on the page there's there's really not that many panels on the page and a fair amount of white border at the top and the bottom so just kind of a different approach I think to the graphic storytelling and I really like it
0: Yeah, it's the line work is really clean here, and Yang is a cartoonist. I love always iterating that point, right? The cartoonist is the description whenever they write and draw the comics. And um, I love that. And and as kind of you were talking, I forgot the other reason we're reading this is because we'll cover this In two weeks, but Adaptation Alley, because there is a Disney Plus series coming out towards the end of this month that is adapting this into eight episodes. So we'll save that adaptation conversation until that episode, but let's go ahead and get into who this comic is for. This is where we break down who we think the perfect audience for this month's book is. If you find yourself in any of these categories, you have to pick it up. If not, join the comic club anyway and read it with us. Adam, who is this comic for? This comic is for fans of fables,
1: mythology lovers, anyone that ever moved to a new school,
0: young adults and students, people that watched Dial M for Monkey, Mm, and outsiders who feel like they don't belong. I loved your last one. That was a good one. That was a surprise. Didn't tell them in the pre-meeting.
1: Did you watch Dial M for Monkey? Do you remember that?
0: Oh no, I don't know what that is. I was thinking okay. So, it was Dial a M reference. for
1: Monkey is uh is this little mini cartoon within Dexter's lab from Dexter's oh, laboratory. Oh, it brings and a bell now. He was this lab monkey, and there was this whole little side thing that he was like a superhero monkey. And I I had to think about it. I had this image in my brain when I started reading this because something about the way that. Uh, that Gene Yang draws the monkey in part of you know part of this story is a, f- a myth about a monkey, a monkey king and um, monkey god actually, and the way that he draws it just reminded me. I had this memory and I was trying to reach out and find it and I kept <laughs> right. searching secret agent monkey, you know, <laughs> right. kung fu monkey and I couldn't yeah. find it until something finally clicked yes. and I saw oh Dexter's Laboratory, dial M for monkey and uh, I was really happy when I found that.
0: You know it's I wonder if that title comes from something else sort of in pop culture but the my where my brain went is there's actually a DC series called Dial H for Hero and there's this hero who has like this rotary telephone and every time he dials he becomes he gets like a brand new superpower so it's like this time he gets invisibility and this time he gets this and it was always this weird quirky comic and i remember they launched it like in new 52 or something like that but it was an old comic as well and i wonder if that the origins of that like dial letter for word is I'll like tell you something what it is. Okay, go ahead.
1: It's okay. a Alfred Hitchcock movie called Dial M for murder. for murder.
0: Yes, okay. Now that you say that I do know that, of course. Yes, okay. Good callback. We're we're just hitting all the references here. We're nailing it. We're nailing it,
1: folks, and this is just the first impressions. Wait for the full episode.
0: Wait for it. Wait for it. In fact, all right, let's go over to Judging a Book by Its Cover, where we'd like to imagine ourselves walking through a comic shop and happen upon the book sitting on a shelf. What do we think about the cover? What does it say about what's inside? How cool is the logo and everything else? Adam, let's judge this book by its cover.
1: Very interesting cover here because similar, as I mentioned, to those interior panel layouts, a lot of space. We we have just a very small, right in the foreground, only half of, of his face is showing, but uh, one of our main characters is there. You know, he looks ostensibly like the American-born Chinese titular character that we're going to get to know. And uh, he's holding a little toy, kind of a Transformers-type toy. And that's kind of right in front, full color. But then in the background, in these very soft kind of line works, and it's, it's all monochrome uh, yellow, basically, you can see sort of ancient mountains and rubble. And if you look close enough, buried beneath the rubble is actually a monkey. And, um, it's an interesting, I, I don't know if this one for me would be a pull off the shelf, but it is really striking and it has this really and yellow tone that it uses kind of a, maybe a sunflower yellow that really dominates it. And something like that with that strong of a color choice, I think is probably going to at least pull you in. What, what do you make of the way that this character is positioned in, in the, in the cover Blaine? Do you think that signifies anything?
0: You know, it's hard to say because I'm very – I'm not very far at all. I think it's, you know, a split pull between two different – you know, the the whole idea of American-born Chinese, it's he's pulled between two cultures. So, there is sort of a split nature to the character, I'd imagine. Um but on another level, I'll say, and I always recognize this as a Gene Lewin Yang book, because he's got another series called Boxers and Saints, and it has, a, there's two books in that series, and they're very similar in that they have a character who is split right down the middle, and then you can kind of put them together and they form one sort of thing. So I always would see this, yeah, because there's a back to it, yeah, there you go. And I would always see it on the shelf and just be like, oh yeah, that's Yang, I know that book, and it always, and then once he releases more, it kind of creates a little series kind of, you know what i mean, even though they're unrelated.
1: Yeah. So, uh listeners, if you don't have the book, basically you see half of his face on the cover and his the spine of the book is intersecting his face on the on the back side, on the back cover is the other half of his face. So if you unfold it, you'd see his whole face. I think Blaine nailed it on the head. Um it's about this sort of division You know reconciling your heritage with your current life and and current culture and we'll find much more about that in the full episode
0: that's right i i wanted to ask you and um and it's okay if it's very light and i think we kind of even mentioned that but what is your exposure to sort of chinese mythology and lore or just in frankly asian you know we we mentioned we're this is for asian american pacific islander as I was sort of talking ahead, I was like, oh, I'm looking at some American, uh, some Chinese literature, and I was adding some stuff to the cart because The Monkey King is based on this Journey to the West book, and Jean Yang was like, yeah, this is one of the four pillars of American literature. And I was like, I don't know any pillars of, of Chinese, sorry, Chinese literature, And I was like going on Amazon and and seeing if I could add him to the cart. And he's like, oh, yeah, Monkey King is like held up like Shakespeare in China. I'm like, whoa, like I had no idea. Um, What is your relation or knowledge of any? Do you know about the Monkey King like myth? myth? Do you know? Are there any others, even Japanese or other ones that you've kind of heard of or, or ring a bell to you at all?
1: I watched Mulan a lot as a child. Yes, yes. Big fan of Eddie Murphy as the dragon. He's great. Yes. Um, uh, I remember there was one summer at camp where everyone was singing um, one of the songs from Mulan. I can't remember. Like, Let's all the guys. let get down yeah, to yeah. business
0: to defeat. The, yeah, dude. M- uh, Mulan Blaine remembers. Is, well, well, and my daughter watches the, the heck out of that movie, and... I'll say, revisiting all these Disney movies, Mulan is like one of my favorites. It is really fantastic. It is incredible.
1: Strong story. Great hero. I I don't know beyond that. I I have a very, very minimal knowledge. Do you have more of a familiarity with that? You have definitely more more experience in Asia.
0: Yeah. and, And so, you know, I taught English abroad in South Korea. And, and so the answer is straight up, no, like I really don't know much. And as I was like, looking into my mind, I was like, okay, we definitely learned Greek and Roman myths right in high school. I don't even think I really learned much Norse myths, but they've become so prominent with Thor from Avengers and Neil Gaiman's kind of been championing Norse myths. And, you know, there's a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff in there. So those have kind of seeped into our culture, but not really with Asian and Chinese myths. The only thing that I would kind of know is some weird uh, stuff with like Final Fantasy games, they would have summons of like Shiva, who I think is like Hindu and, um... There's some like, you know, this fox with nine tails, kind of like tails and for sonic and tails. There's some of these myths that are kind of like lingering. And whenever I was in China, I mean, so whenever I was in Korea, I would always ask my kids, I was like, what are y'all's fairy tales? What did, you know, we have Hansel and Gretel and, and um, you know, these Greek gods and myths. What are y'all's? And they would tell me these ones that were just completely foreign to me. Like I had just never heard of. And it was always so fascinating. And I, I, I wish we did a better job about educating about just more the history and myths of different cultures. Cause I personally just, I, and, and I, and I think I maybe share that with a lot of kids is like school is pretty boring, but mythology is always kind of like one of the subjects kids gravitate towards because it is very fantasy based and fantastical. And like, bigger larger than life and fun, you know what i mean?
1: Absolutely. And and like you said, it seeps into our culture. So whether you knew it or not as a little kid, there were things that were coming directly from mythology that you already had a familiarity with. You find out that oh, Hercules is like this, you know, very famous myth. It's not just a, you know, Disney cartoon or whatever. And like you said, I I agree. I wish that we had more exposure to the other cultures kind of writings and their their lore their myth because there's a lot of interesting stuff there and a lot of good stories to be told that that haven't been told you know to to western yes western listeners western readers yet and um that's something that i'm always you know interested in looking for more i thought of one more thing that i do know about asian mythology and lore the tanuki yes for mario the yes. little raccoon dog is a real animal but it's also a big character in Japanese mythology. He's a little mischievous, you know, kind of a, a trickster. scamp, a trickster. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um so the Tanuki, that's that's one thing that I do know uh because I love Mario, you know?
0: Of course, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, while I was traveling around as well, even in Thailand and Cambodia and places like that, I would encounter the Chinese, uh, I mean, sorry, the Monkey King a lot. And I don't know if it's sort of there's a broader myth there where the, the Journey of the West book made it or if it's based on some even older stuff. So. You know, it's something we're going to dig into in the full episode. And that's how it's going to be. And we're going to learn a lot about it, frankly, in American-born Chinese. So I'm excited. So this is our first impressions episode. If you enjoyed it, go tell a friend. Leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. You can follow us across the internet at Comic Club Podcast. I am Blaine McGaff on Twitter. And I'm Danger Adam on Instagram. Go pick up a copy and join us in two weeks for our full in-depth spoiler-filled episode of American Born Chinese. Adam? Comic Club out. Comic Club's brought to you from Upper Esh Media. This episode was edited by Adam J. Cook. Our intro and outro music is by Tiger Cup. Katie Livingston, at Living Kate, designed our logo. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, Follow us on social, at Comic Club Podcast, and join our Facebook group to continue the conversation online. Remember, everyone, read more comics.